And uh, we began by looking here in the Gospel of Luke at the importance of prayer and how important prayer is in our lives and, and what a critical and key uh, component to our walk with Jesus that prayer is. Uh, and the reason that we're focusing on this at the beginning of a new year is because, like we talked about last week, if we're all honest today, uh, we, would, we, we all probably would say we could probably, there, there's some room for improvement in our prayer lives. Our prayer lives probably aren't quite what they should be. And so as we begin this new year, I just wanted us to focus in on this just a little bit because I believe it's so important to what God wants to do in our lives, in your family, in our church this coming year uh, in 2019. I shared with you last week, I believe uh, God's got some great things, exciting things planned for us. We just, our staff was talking about the other day, we just all feel like that something is about to happen that's going to be mind-blowing. And so we're preparing ourselves for that through prayer, encouraging you to prepare yourselves and your families and our church for that through prayer. Uh, uh, but anyway, we, we all can probably do a little better job uh, at prayer. And, and we talked about last week as we introduced this idea to you. You know, we think that our, our, our lack of prayer is somehow driven by our lack of discipline we, we often think that we don't pray enough for the same reason we don't exercise enough or don't diet well enough or whatever, that it all comes down to self-discipline. Uh, and the main way that we access God's help uh, and God's power is through prayer. And so Jesus says, you know, repeatedly throughout the Gospels that, that all we have to do is ask for that. Not only did he tell us, that's what we needed to be doing. But we saw all throughout the Gospel of Luke, Luke almost makes a point all the way throughout his Gospel as you read it to point out the times when he observed Jesus praying. And, and I don't know about you, but often we think about Jesus as, you know, the, the, the Messiah, Jesus, God, the Son of God, uh, you know, part of the Trinity. And, and we think, you know, why would it be important for him to pray? But Luke makes a point several, in several instances uh, throughout uh, his gospel to point out. Time out. My phone is absolutely blowing up. And it's my staff. There's 409 here today, if you would like to know. They thought it was important I knew that at this point in time in my message. They know how ADHD I am, and you just can't text and text and text and text. And I've got to stop and read it. I mean, it could be my mom, so you never know. Where were we? The Gospel of Luke. That's where we were. Well, let's just pick it up where we left off last week, because we, we talked about the fact that, that the disciples had witnessed Jesus praying and praying and praying time and time again that... that he was in prayer. And so we find ourselves here in chapter 11. I just want to pick it up verse 1 again. We saw this last week. God's Word says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. So here he is again. The disciples, they're observing him. It's time in prayer. When he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and you know, 
I think this is, this is so important for us to, to realize and understand. The disciples have witnessed and experienced Jesus doing a lot of things. A lot of incredible things. A lot of miraculous things. But yet they watch him pray. And they are making this association between Jesus' prayer life and what God is doing through his life. And so, you know, the, the disciples, at this point in time, it wasn't like, you know, help us to, to be able to preach the way that you preach. Help us to be able to do these miracles the way that you do these miracles. No, they made this connection between prayer and what Jesus is doing, and they said, this is the key. You teach us. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Right, and, and so they, uh, you know, they, they could see the priority of prayer that Jesus had in his own life, and how dependent he was to spend time with the Father in prayer. And so they said, "Lord, teach us to pray." And, and I'm grateful that we have stories like this in the Bible. We have this story here in the New Testament where Jesus specifically explains to the disciples, and not just to the disciples, but to us as well. Here's how you do it. Right Here's how you pray. This is a, a prayer outline or a template that should shape all the prayers that we pray. Last week we talked about overcoming the greatest obstacle in our life, uh, in our prayer life when it comes to us praying. And often that's because it's unanswered prayer. So sometimes we think about prayer and we, don't, we aren't really sure if it's even, you know helping or if it's not helping and so we talked about that last week and if you struggle with unanswered prayer I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message uh, but but one of the main obstacles in our prayer life is unanswered prayer but this week we're going to deal with probably the second biggest obstacle which is I don't know how to pray right I, I don't know exactly how, how it's done or what it looks like and, and it's important to note here that we do need to be taught how to pray all right, Jesus didn't say, you know, the disciples came and said, you know, Jesus teaches how to pray. Notice Jesus' response was not, oh, you don't need to be taught. All right, that, that wasn't his response. He, he didn't say, you know, well, you know, just say whatever you want and, you know, we'll be good with that and be glad we got it from you, right? Uh, I mean, that wasn't his response. As a matter of fact, uh, in the book of Matthew, where we see him write, we see Matthew write about this same teaching about prayers. Luke's writing here in chapter 11. Matthew expounds on it a little bit more than even Luke does. And he tells us before Jesus gave the disciples instructions on how to pray, he specifically tells them how not to pray. All right? And, and so, the, you know, there's a, a right way and there is a wrong way to pray. And Jesus points that out over in the Gospel of Matthew. And so let's take a look this morning uh, here in Luke's recording of this, the right way that Jesus says uh, we are to pray. So let's pick it up at verse 2 now. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our, our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. All right, now I'm sure that this sounds familiar to most of you that are here today because this is very similar to the Lord's Prayer that we see recorded over in the Gospel of Matthew. 
but, uh, and many of, many of us have prayed that prayer most of our lives. Luke recorded it just a little bit differently here, and so we're looking in Luke's gospel. But I want us to break down this morning and see what we can learn from this, what Jesus is teaching us when, when he was confronted with the question, teach us how to pray, what Jesus' response was to that. And he begins there in verse 2 simply saying, begin it like this, Father. Father. Stop right there just a second. Because this word for father that Jesus used here would have been the Aramaic word Abba. All right? And Abba is a name for father uh, that a, a child would use to address his, his father. It would, be much, it would be a lot like a child approaching his father and calling him daddy. All right, so we need, to, we need to get that picture in our mind and understand, you know, we don't approach our father here on earth. You know, I never went up to my dad and said, Father, you know, may I please go outside and play. I, I didn't approach him formally like that, you know. And, and so we get this idea here because of the language that's used that we are to approach him in the same way, if not even with more confidence than we would our earthly uh, father. Uh, and a first century Jewish person would have never dreamed of approaching God in this way. For Jesus to use that term Abba, even to begin this prayer, would have kind of made them look at it and go, what? That's disrespectful. To think of him in the way that we would think of our earthly daddy. It would have been irreverent to speak of God. As daddy, but don't miss this. This is how Jesus tells us to approach God. The same way that we would our Father, with the same comfort level that we would have in going to Him, the the, the same uh, uh, you know confidence that we would have that we know our Father would help us if we had a need and we brought it to Him. Right, and so Jesus is reminding us: this is who God is to you. He's your heavenly daddy. Right, and, and so, you know, Jesus tells us, approach God that way. And it's difficult for us to do because it's ingrained in us that we're to be reverent uh, uh, to God. You know, I, I, the church I was raised in, um, I haven't heard people pray like this in a long time. But the church I was raised in, everybody prayed in the King James Version. You know what I mean? My daddy even prayed that way. All, all this, I've never heard my daddy pray a prayer that didn't have thou or though or, you know, what a, King James language in it. I mean, it was just the way. And so we were taught to, you know, speak to God with, with this reverence. But Jesus says, approach him as if he is your dad. And, and some, you know, may have difficulty approaching him with that idea or that concept because of the image that they have of their earthly fathers may not be really a great one. And it's difficult for us to shape God into the image of that person, of our dad. Uh, there, there's a scene in a play uh, that's called Fathers Anonymous, where a, a father is trying to help his son pray. His, his son's telling his dad he's struggling, you know, trying to pray. He says, I, I have trouble praying because I can't see God. And so his dad says to his son, he said, well, I'll tell you, son, here's what you do. When, when you pray, since you can't picture God, he said, just, just picture me. Just picture that you're talking to me, but I'm God, and, and picture me and, and act you know, you're like you're talking to me. And the boy replied, does that mean God just grunts and nods when I try to talk to him? 
You know, and, and don't miss this. Jesus says we can approach God as a father unlike any father that we've ever known or had. Unlike any that, no matter how awesome your dad was, can't hold a candle to our heavenly dad, our heavenly father. And, and Jesus knew, Jesus knew that we had within us a hunger to be a child of a father like this, right? He knew that we all have a hunger to know a father whose character is far beyond the imperfections of our earthly fathers. We have a need to know God as our father, as our daddy. And we don't come to know God as our father by some religious experience. See, it's not a relationship that's built or developed because of religious things that, that we can do. Uh, God becomes our father through Jesus, His Son, God's Son. We can know God as Daddy because of what Jesus uh, did for us. And because of Jesus, we can be adopted into God's family and have this perfect Father, Heavenly Daddy, as our parent, as our Father. And until we become God's child and He becomes our Dad, our prayers that we might say, you know, more than likely are nothing more than just empty words until we realize and understand the relationship here. So yes, we approach Him with familiarity as our Daddy, but also with the reverence of knowing that He, our Dad, think about this, your Dad, He's Almighty God. Your Dad, He's the Lord of Lords. And he's, he's the king of kings. And so Jesus says, understand who he is. Begin your prayer, Father, Abba, Heavenly Daddy. Oh, but hallowed be your name. And, and I want to point out something here that I think is really important for us because I know how a lot of us pray sometimes or I know how... I pray a lot of times, let's just skip the formalities and get right to the emergency, <laughs> right? God, I just need you to understand that this needs to happen now. We'll get back to all those other formalities later when we have more time, all right? But notice that before we get to any request in our prayer, which is basically what most of our prayers consist of, right, request, but before we get to the request, Jesus teaches us that we must begin by focusing on our relationship to God. All right? And this shows us that prayer is more about us being in right relationship to God than it is what we say and what we ask. It's more about the relationship than getting through some laundry list of needs that God already knows we have anyway, even before we pray. And hallowed be your name should precede any request that we make to God. I read about a guy who grew up in a Catholic church. We have several in our church that grew up in the Catholic church, and so you can probably relate to him. But he said, he said until he was eight years old, he thought God's name was Howard. He said, because every week we'd say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Howard be your name. Yeah. But seriously... We say it. We can all quote it. What does hallowed mean? Right? What, what does hallowed mean? Because honestly, it sounds a little scary to me. 
Well, the word hallow means, and a few definitions I put up here for you to help us understand it a little better, means to make something or someone holy or to treat something or someone as holy. It means most beautiful. It means most worthy. Now, this doesn't mean here when we pray, hallowed be your name, it doesn't mean that somehow God is lacking in these things in holiness and we're praying that he'll get holy, right? We're not praying that he will become that. It's a prayer acknowledging that holiness already belongs to him, right? It's who he is. It's his nature. It's his character. But our our world often doesn't see him in that way or even treat him in that way or approach him in that way. And so we are to pray that God's name would be treated as holy. It would be recognized as holy, understanding and realizing He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is Almighty God, and He's our Father. And so His name is holy. It's who He is. It's what He he does. It's His nature. And so we pray that His name would be honored and His name would be respected as a holy God and a holy Father to us. And so in Jesus giving us this model, this template, if you will, if you will, of, of how we should pray and approach him, hallowed be your name, Jesus is teaching us to honor our Father, right? Honor uh, God's name, and we honor his holy name uh, in prayer. And Jesus continues on, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, and here's what that means. When we are praying for His kingdom to come, what we're doing is we are surrendering ourselves to pursue God's agenda here on this earth. Well, what does that mean, Steve? It means we are praying to build and see His kingdom increase and not ours. And if if we're not careful... Our prayer life will begin to look like a list of requests that we've put together so that our kingdom would increase and our kingdom would be bigger, our kingdom would be stronger, our kingdom would be known. When Jesus says, wait a second, let's make sure what you're praying for lines up with what God wants and what God's will is and be praying that God's kingdom would come. And we're surrendering ourselves to pursue His will and His agenda. Prayer is not really supposed to be about us trying to persuade God to help us with our agenda. Right? That, that prayer can't be that. But instead, don't miss this. If you, it's you seeking to join God with what He's doing. Seeking to join Him in His work. Seeking to join Him with what He wants to accomplish. And viewing what you're praying for in light of that. How does this need, how does this situation, how does this emergency, how does all of this fit in with what God is wanting to do in my life, in my family, on this earth, to bring glory to His kingdom, to build His kingdom, to see His kingdom increase. And I'm telling you, when you begin looking at it like that and you begin to pray like that, it'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you approach things. It'll go, uh, it'll go from helping me, help me get through this to help me get through this so that people might see you in this. 
see your help. See, see your strength in and through me. We, we often pray in ways that will benefit our kingdom, but we must realize that our prayers should be focused on what benefits his kingdom. And, and one way that we can know that we're praying that is to uh, pray scriptures. Someone get, uh, told me this uh, years ago when I was a young child. They said sometimes, you know, the, the best thing you can do is just pray scriptures. Hayden was sharing with me. He meets with a, a little, uh, he's got an accountability group, a, a group of guys that get together once a week. And, and they just pick a passage of scripture a lot of times and see, you know, if it would make a good prayer. And they just pray it together. Praying the scriptures. Let me tell you something. If you're praying God's scripture, that'd be God's will. <laughs> right? God's will is, now you have to be careful. Because you don't want to go praying Psalm 109. All right? Some of you know Psalm 109. Some of you are fixing to look at it and not hear me for the next 10 minutes reading what it says. But, you know, you, you want to make sure that as you're reading along, as you're reading Scripture and something jumps out to you, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Scripture jumps out to you and, and, and you're, you're, you're like going through this season of life. You're going through this situation and that really ministers to you. Just highlight that, underline that, or just stop right then and make that... a a form of prayer. Verse that, you know, quote God's word back to God. What better way to pray? Because we know that's His will. We know that's His agenda. Take what His word says about whatever it is that you're going through and, and turn that into prayer for your situation. And so when we pray for God's kingdom to come, what we're doing is we're affirming our confidence in Him. When we're praying for His kingdom to come, we're we're affirming our confidence in the fact that he's got this, and I don't have to. And it's about his kingdom, his plan, his will. Listen, we, we all know what we want, but what's important is that we will pray for what he wants. All right? And Jesus continues. Give us each day our daily bread. And I just want to point out here the obvious, Jesus likes bread. He, did a, he doesn't say, give us our daily kale, <laughs> or give us our daily cabbage. No, you feed that to the cats. Jesus liked bread, and I'm sure he never ate a bunless hamburger. Uh, and if you weren't here two weeks ago, you have no idea why I just said that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I, I was sharing I got a new Bible for Christmas. And uh, y'all call them iPads. I, I call it my Bible. Uh, but I, I, was, I was preaching from this new iPad. And, you know, you think that one iPad is just like another one. And so I got up here without kind of doing a test run because basically it's just my notes and my scripture. And I just take my finger and I flip through them. And it was a train wreck. It went so bad. And uh, one of the boys, I got, got home for lunch. And, of course, my family, they, they critique the message uh, during lunch every week. And they were like, why did you talk about bread for five minutes? And I said, because it took me five minutes, honestly, to find my notes and get them back up on the screen. Well, I knew what I was supposed to be talking about. But, honestly, most of us never think to pray like this because we probably are not wondering where we're going to get bread tomorrow or where our next meal is even going to come from, right? For us living in America, it's not a need, it's not a concern that we have. Now, there are people in other parts of the world today that are praying this earnestly and in desperation. God, 
give us this day something to eat. But the idea behind this is that we will understand our dependence on God. Just how truly dependent we are on Him and in Him. And it's not just during our times of need. The point is, is that we will understand it's a daily dependence. It's not that I just go to church on Sunday, I get me a little dose and that'll get me through the week. It's this reminder that we have a daily need to walk with Him. A daily need for Him to walk with us because none of us have it figured out. None of us have it all together, right? And so we understand just, uh, you know, how desperate we are for Him. We talked about it last week. It means day by day we are looking to Him for the ultimate source of everything, right? Not just bread, but it's anything that we need. And you may, you know, think this is a stretch, but I kind of see this as to teach us that everything that we ask for also may not be spiritual. I mean, bread's not spiritual, right? And so I believe this touches on the, the fact that we have a lot of daily needs. And it may be in your role as a parent. <laughs> and in your role as a parent of a teenager, you have much more daily needs, right? It might be in, in your role as a husband or your role as a wife. You have daily needs. You need his help. Right, to help you with that uh, role that you have in, in that marriage. Or maybe it's as a student or as an employee. Or maybe you're the boss and understanding that we need God's daily provision of help in our lives in these different roles and situations that we are in and that we find ourselves in. I use this verse a lot, uh, I know, but I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. I love the way the NLT says it. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Boy, that was enthusiastic. I'm just going to pray about everything. <laughs> Glory to God. What does Paul say? Pray about what? Everything. Which means you're going to be praying about what? Everything. Tell God what you need, Paul says. Just ask. Everything. So what should we be asking God for? Everything. Literally anything that you are worried about. Anything that you are struggling with. Anything that you're concerned about, that you care about. And like we talked about last week, prayer is about our desperation for God's help in our lives. And if you're not desperate for God to help you in your life, your life right now is a train wreck. Because we need Him desperately uh, in our lives. It's a daily need. And so we persistently ask over and over. We saw it last week. Jesus said, hey, be persistent. Ask daily. And so here's the rule. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And you can pray about that. He's your dad. He cares. He wants you to. He doesn't get tired of hearing us ask for something to eat. He, he doesn't get tired of hearing us ask for daily bread. He doesn't get tired of hearing us ask for daily help. He doesn't get tired of hearing us ask for daily strength, daily wisdom. He, he don't get tired of that. Jesus continues then. 
He says, forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And, and I'll just be perfectly honest here, because y'all that know me know I'm far from perfect and probably shouldn't even be a preacher. But this part of prayer is one that I have a tendency to skip, if we're just being honest, because we need to get right straight to the emergency, straight to the help. And so... We have a tendency sometimes, or I have a tendency sometimes, maybe, maybe you've got this, uh, to, to skip this part that Jesus says is an important part of our prayer. When he teaches us how to pray, he says this is an important part of that. And, and it's there for a reason. And, and, and here's the deal. Confession is an important part of our lives. We see it all throughout Scripture. It's a very important part of our lives and our relationship with God. And the reason that it is important if we are not confessing our sins, if we are not allowing God to forgive us and cleanse us of our sins and clean that junk out of our life, then what's it doing? It's growing in you, right? It's growing and it's spreading in us if it's not being cleaned out and taken out. So here's the deal. Sin loses its power when it has been exposed. And that's what confession is all about. So Scripture teaches us to confess our sins to God and then to others when we need to because you strip sin of its power when it's revealed and the light is shining on it. Okay, now I want to jump over to how Matthew recorded this because I think it kind of brings a different light to it. Matthew's teaching of this same, same subject, same time. Matthew recorded it like this in chapter 6, verse 12. He said, and forgive us our debts as we, also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Right, now, for the record, Jesus isn't talking about your visa bill here, right? Although at this time after Christmas, we would all love to have that slate wiped clean, right? This model of prayer that Jesus gave us, it, it reflects a, a Jewish concept that all of our lives are on loan from God. All right? And really they are, if you think about it. These bodies, our lives are just on loan from, for, from Him for a very short period of time here on this earth. And every time we act in a way that violates His purpose, when we act in, in a way that violates our Creator's purpose for our lives, then that puts us in debt to Him. You see that? It puts us in debt. This is basically speaking to the moral debt that we have incurred because of our sins and our actions, our inactions, the things that we should have done but we didn't do or things that we did but we shouldn't have done. And we need to pay close attention to what's being said here because it doesn't say, forgive us our debts as we promise to forgive our debtors. Does it? It doesn't say, forgive us our debts as we will someday forgive our debtors. Notice it's past tense. It's forgive us as we already have forgiven our debtors. And this is an eye-opening, radical, powerful way to model our prayers. This model of prayer that Jesus gives us is us praying to God. Think about what is being said here. Now, I may be, I'm simple-minded, but this is what I take from this. It's us praying to God that He will treat our sin 
the same way that we have treated someone else that has sinned against us. Jesus is saying, pray to God that he'll treat your sin the same way that you treat their sin. Pray to God that he will treat your um, your mistakes the same way that you treat other people's mistakes. The same way that you would treat someone who offended you. Someone who hurt your feelings. Someone who hurt your child, precious child's feelings. And we just can't let it go. But yet we're saying, God forgive me, even though I'm going to let that go later. <laughs> Jesus is saying, that's not really how it all works. This prayer is, is asking you know, God to treat us the exact same way we're treating those who have sinned against us. So whenever we pray for forgiveness with an unforgiving heart, we're really asking God not to forgive us. That's what I take from this. So this prayer deals with receiving God's forgiveness, but don't miss this. An important part of life is extending forgiveness as it has been extended to us. And Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? You asked me. You said, teach us how to pray. This is how you pray. And forgiveness is a very important part of prayer, both receiving forgiveness and extending forgiveness. And so now I'm praying, God, help me to remember when I pray not to ask for forgiveness and to extend that to those that have offended me or sinned against me. And then Jesus says this. He says, and lead us not into temptation. And this is so important because Jesus knew that we have an enemy that's out to destroy us, right? He knew there was an enemy that wanted to destroy us. And the first enemy is the enemy that actually exists in all of our own hearts. Uh, it's like that old saying, we have met the enemy and it is us, <laughs> right? And maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says, lead me not into temptation. I can find it just fine on my own. <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that bumper sticker because all of us have temptations in our lives. We do. It's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. So it's not a sin to be tempted. And we have temptation in our lives. And it's not as if, you know, we read this and we say, okay, God, lead me not into temptation and I almost get this picture of God leading us like on a leash. You know? And it's not like that. We, we can't picture that. That's, and, but I just gave you that picture. But we should picture that. Because God's not leading us through life on a leash. And we're saying, oh God, please don't take us into that place. You know? Don't, don't walk me into that temptation. Let's not go to that park or whatever. God, don't lead me there. What this means is, is that we're praying for protection against the temptation that we do have. We're praying for protection from that. We're asking God, Lord, please protect me from these temptations that I encounter in my life so that I don't blow it. Right? So that I don't cave in. And whenever we pray this prayer, we're admitting that there's something that's inside our heart that doesn't want to please God. There's a part there that doesn't, doesn't want to do right, that doesn't want to please God. And, and, and so when we pray this prayer, we're admitting that we can't handle that part of ourselves on our own. All right, now don't miss this. It's in prayer that we find 
the strength to be able to resist those temptations. I'll just tell you right now, if you're not a person of prayer, you're easily swayed by the enemy. You're easily captured. You easily cave to the cravings and the temptations that are in your heart and in your life. That's why prayer is so important to us, is that we have the power and the strength to resist our urges to disobey God and to do wrong. And sure, we face temptation. And we often think that we can handle it on our own. Right? We, we, we think we can overcome that or we can deal with that. But here's the deal. We lack the strength to be able to face temptation on our own. We do. We're like an electrical appliance. I used to share this with young people all the time when I was a youth pastor. We're like a, an electrical appliance that's not plugged into a power source. I mean, how many of you would like to, you know, make mashed potatoes without an electric mixer? It's like us taking an electric mixer and trying to do the job that it's supposed to do without ever plugging it in. That'd be difficult. It'd take a while. And so we need to understand that we receive our power through being plugged into the source of the power. Even Jesus needed to be plugged into the source of the power. And Jesus knew that. And so he said, okay, yes, prayer is the key, but let me teach you. Let me teach you how you should ask and how you should pray. And so he gave us this prayer as a model to use. And He didn't give it to us merely as something that we you know, are to repeat just over and over again. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's lots of times when... Uh, it's appropriate to say the Lord's Prayer and speak it together as the body of Christ. But He didn't give it to us that we would use that model, that template, as our only means of prayer, as our prayer life. That, that you know, it's not something that we just recite, or recite over and over like our ABCs. But it's this template. It's an example of how He prayed and how we should pray. And as we learn to use this pattern of prayer, I want you to think about who you're emulating. Him. You look like Jesus when you pray. And when you're people of prayer, you know, we see all throughout his life, Luke makes a point time and time and time again to point out that Jesus was praying and he was the son of God and we've seen it the last couple weeks Jesus himself said apart from him I can do nothing disconnected from him I have no power disconnected from him I can do absolutely nothing this is why we pray and Jesus said this is how we pray And so my prayer, as we start this new year, my prayer for you, my prayer for your family, is simply that we would become people of prayer. People who understand how desperate we are for God to help us each and every day. How desperate we are for God to use us to build His kingdom here on this earth. Because, you know, it's not really going to matter when we face Him, what we've built or what we've accomplished. He's going to take a look at our lives and see, what what did this do to build the kingdom? 
What did this do that mattered in someone else's life for an eternity? And it all begins, Jesus showed us that it all begins when we will be people of prayer. You don't have to be more self-disciplined to do it. You have to be desperate and understand our daily need, our daily dependence, His daily help in our lives. And so this morning as we close together, we want to spend some time in prayer around these altars like we do every week. We call it family prayer time. We call it open altar. But this morning, maybe you would like to come. Maybe God spoke to you about something or there's something that you just want to bring Him or lift to Him, a situation. We have so many in our church right now that have great needs. They're carrying a lot. They're going through a lot. And their family's been through a lot. And it just seems like it keeps coming. Maybe this morning you'd like to bring that and just lay it at His feet and ask Him for His help today. Because sometimes it's just about getting through the day in our lives. And so if you'd like to come this morning, I invite you to pray before we close together. Got this prayer chest up here that's filled with names of people that we pray for. Some would like to come pray over that. This morning, would you come while we close? God, this morning, just thank you for this incredible and awesome reminder that you've given us today that we can approach you without any reservations. We can approach you with boldness. We can approach you with confidence because of who you are. And if we've accepted you and placed our faith and our trust and our hope in you, our lives in you, then you're our dad. You've adopted us into your family, and you are our daddy. And you say, bring me that stuff. I want to help you. I want to, you know, provide your needs. And I thank you today of this awesome reminder that that's how we can approach you. We can approach you as a loving father that just wants what's best for his kids. And God... Because of that, you deserve our praise and you are worthy of our praise and we exalt you and we do our very best to lift you up in this world so that people would know you and see you and they would come to know you as their father as well. God, you've been so good to us. That's, that's the righteousness. That's the holiness. That's your goodness. And you have poured your goodness out upon us time and time again. But God, this morning we often find ourselves 
know, in a difficult situation or a difficult time. And sometimes we don't know what to do and we don't know, you know, even what the next step is. But God, this morning, I thank you for this reminder to us that whatever it is that we're going through, that you ultimately are going to make it about you or you want to make it about you. And so we want to be a part of that. That people would see you in us as we walk through the valley of shadow of death. As we walk through the stress. As we walk through the job challenges. As we walk through the things that are going on at school. That God, we would approach those things in a way that you would be seen. God, not through something that we would do, but just by you being in us and being our Father and the confidence that we have in that, God, that people would see you and that it would be about the work that you want to do and the work that you want to accomplish here on this earth. And I pray for these this morning that are hurting. I pray for those that some even today are in the hospital, some going through cancer treatment, some have just heard the dreaded word cancer spoken into their family some have lost loved ones recently and the pain is real and it's raw and so I pray for them today that you would be their comfort, their hope their help, their healer you would be exactly what they need to help them today to get through this day and walk with it walk with them through whatever it is that they're going through God, we need you. We don't just need you on Sunday. We need you every single day. We need, I need you every moment of every day. And I'm not alone in that. We desperately need you. Your help, your provision, your wisdom, your guidance in our lives each and every day. And God, we do pray that you'd forgive us where we failed where we've made it about us we've made it about our kingdom instead of your kingdom God I pray that you would forgive us when we've put other things before you in our lives and in the world but God this morning we've been reminded that Forgiveness is a two-way street. Not only do we receive it, but it's to be given. And maybe this morning you've laid on someone's heart, someone that they need to go to and extend forgiveness. It may not be received, but it's been clear that you've said extend it. Because only when we extend it will we be able to receive it. So I pray that you would give someone today, whoever it is that feels that nudge on their heart, I pray that you'd give them the boldness and the courage to do what you're asking them to do just now. And God, as we go out from here, there's a lot of temptations in this world that we face. Not just in the world, but the temptations come at us through our phones, through our computers, through our radios, through our TVs. The world has a lot out there that they try to offer us. But God, I pray that you'd help us see through that see that any joy that we can really count on, any happiness that we can really depend on only comes through our faith and our trust and our walk with you. So God, we join Jesus as we pray. Help us with our temptation. Help us to have the power to overcome it. 
And I thank you so much for being for us what we cannot be for ourselves. And that's our Savior, our forgiver, and our helper. Thank you for this incredible reminder today. I pray that we will be more aware of our desperation and our need for you in our daily lives. And I thank you for that reminder today and how you've spoke to our hearts. We love you. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to be available. So God, I pray that you'd find us faithful in making disciples and building the kingdom throughout this year. And it'll be in your name, the powerful name of Jesus, that we do these things. Amen. God bless you. I love you so much. Hope you have a great week. Baby